Boys are easier than girls. Boys are less emotional than girls. Have people said things like this to you? We are going to dig into many of the misconceptions about boys in this episode of On Boys after these messages from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart Baby Formula. By Heart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. Hey, Jen, what are you doing this winter to take care of yourself and your family? I'm doing a couple different things. Winter is always tough for me. It's dark, it's cold, all kinds of blah goes around. So I am committing to getting up, which I hate doing, but getting up and including some movement in every day. I am journaling. Those two things are both so important for my mental health. And I've started taking Sambucol every day. I really like the samples they sent us, Janet. I do too. I've started taking them as well. And you know what? I just feel kind of happy with myself that I'm taking care of myself in that way. Just having that extra little boost in my wellness routine. I like that there are so many different options too. We got a sample of the gummies. We got a sample of the drink powder and the syrup. I love the gummies. We are talking about Sambucol. This is powered by nature Superfruit, which is black elderberry. It is a dietary supplement. So you can incorporate this into your wellness routine. Go to sambucolusa.com. That's S-A-M-B-U-C-O-L-U-S-A.com. And use the discount code BOYS15 to get 15% off of your next order. We want you and your family to stay in good health this winter. Sambucol is another way you can do that. Your physical health is important and your mental health is important to us too. And I think that Jen's Building Boys Bulletin adds to your mental health. When you understand what's happening for your son, for boys worldwide, you have a better sense of how to teach him, how to parent him, how to help him counteract the many misconceptions that we'll be talking about today. This is Jen's weekly newsletter, Building Boys Bulletin. It's a subscription. You pay a small fee. You get it in your inbox every Monday. It is the first email that I open. 
go to buildingvoice.net and click on the red subscribe button and be in the know about what is happening with your son. Another way to stay connected and be the best boy parent you can be is my Decoding Your Boy, Less Yelling, More Connecting program. This is a year-long program. We meet twice a month based on a monthly theme. We talk about screens and video games, boys and anger, school and homework. All of these conversations are happening right now, and they're happening live with me twice a month. Go to boysalive.com decode for a low monthly fee. You can be part of the conversation and join a community of like-minded parents. That's boysalive.com decode. I'd love to see you there. And now on boys. Being a boy mom, a boy parent, means constantly navigating misconceptions about boys. You know what I mean. Boys are less emotional than girls. Boys are easier than girls. It can be so frustrating to encounter these ideas in the wild, like, you know, the grocery store as you're trying to check out. And it's frustrating to discover how many things we misunderstand about boys. Today, we are going to dig in and we are going to look at misconceptions and myth truths about boys. And joining us is Jessica Fleming, who is a writer and a mom of four young boys, currently ages seven, five, three, and three. Welcome, <laughs> Jessica. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Before we go any further, I should tell our loyal listeners, Janet is not joining us today. That grandbaby you've been hearing about is on its way. And Janet is there with her daughter and her family. All right, Jessica, you have four young boys. Started with one, then you had yeah. two, and then you are pregnant again. And, oh, look, it's more boys. I'm guessing that you got more than your fair share of, um, I'm going to call them interesting and stupid comments from people. Oh, yes. Yes. When I told people I was pregnant, at first, we didn't know what, what we were having with the twins. We thought it was our third and final baby. And at my eight week, eight week ultrasound, I was surprised to learn that I was having twins. You know, when we eventually found out that it was two more boys, so many people, yeah, we heard a lot of comments like, oh, should I say congratulations or I'm sorry? And, you know, things like that really stick in your head where it's like, oh, just congratulations is fine. And let's leave it at that for, for future. And even people that made comments like, oh, you'll have to keep going when we were planning to have three kids, let alone, you know, the fourth was a bonus. So yeah, there are so many of those kind of comments that you get, as I know, I'm sure you got as well. If you're same, four. same yeah. exact thing. Like I have, <laughs> you said they stick in your head. I have this yeah. very distinct memory. It was one of my first outings with all four of the boys. Like I needed something and Walmart was the closest store. So there I am at Walmart and I've got three little ones and I've got, I mean, literal newborn in the car seat, still the newborn sound, the newborn look, everything. And somebody's like, whoa, are you going to keep trying for a girl? I can barely get through this checkout with the four that I have. And you're asking me this in front of my three other boys. Like, what kind of message does that convey to them is, is how I felt about it. 
that's exactly how what I was going to say is it's in front of your boys who are old enough at that point to understand what is being asked. And it is very uncomfortable and awkward. Like what's wrong with them? I, I completely relate to that. When I was pregnant too, people would see me with my two oldest who were like, like you young, I had a three-year-old and a two-year-old and this big pregnant belly. And people said, Oh, finally got your girl because I was so big with twins that they, I guess there's those, how you're carrying the and all those wise things. tales. Yeah. So that was a whole other, like, no, it's actually two more boys. I'm having twin boys. And oh my goodness. And I actually remember the people that were excited for me. There would be a few people that were like, that's awesome. I always wanted to have a whole bunch of boys or, oh, boys are great. And there are so few of those comments that those really stuck with me too. The people that were like, oh, I'd have another in an instant if I knew it was going to be a boy. I love boys. And, And those were really nice to hear because I wasn't getting a lot of those. So maybe we have made some progress because I didn't get any comments like that. My youngest is now 16, just turned 16. We knew their dad and I knew that number four was a boy and we didn't tell anybody Mm. because already with number three, we were getting all of those, you know, hope it's a girl, blah, 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 blah comments. And figured that we had a better chance of people just being happy for us. If we're like, look at the cute baby, then letting them, I don't know, make those dumb comments while I'm pregnant and trying to be happy, not trying to be happy about my life. I think, you know what I mean? Like I was Mm -hmm. happy with my life, but I don't need everybody else's input on this. Exactly. You have to come to terms if you are, if you are feeling any disappointment or anything, which I, when I was having twins, I was kind of hoping for a boy-girl twins because I thought, oh, I get to have another little boy, which I loved having my first two. And I said, oh, maybe I'll have a daughter too. This will be great. And then sure enough, found out it was two boys. <laughs> so I had, I did have some moments of disappointment with that. And it's like, okay, I got to terms with being excited and like ready for life as a mom of four boys. And then you have to have outside people kind of bring resurfacing that or bringing that back up, which is the last thing you want. (laughs) I had a complete and total stranger in the produce aisle at the grocery store say to me in front of my boys, what's wrong with your husband's sperm? Oh my goodness. Wow. (laughs) I have no idea what I said in that moment. I'm sure it wasn't a good answer because it's now been 16 years. I still don't have a good, there is no good answer. Yeah. For that. I mean, <laughs> shut the up, but I didn't say that either. Oh my goodness. Wow. Um, I haven't encountered that one. That is very unique <laughs> and rude. Let's, let's pull back a little bit. Um, I grew up with four brothers and a sister. Wow. So on the one hand, you might think, okay, you were prepared for boys. Nope. No, I was not. How about you? Yeah. So I have one brother. So my family now of having four kids is bigger than my, you know, family of origin and I don't have any sisters. So that's one thing that I haven't seen. I've seen a brother sister, you know, interaction with each other between me and my brother, not this, the four boys that I have, you know, that's Ah. really new to me. Yeah. There are a lot of things about boys that I didn't necessarily know about, you know, um, one thing that I get a lot is about boys that they're not very emotional. And at least you don't have to deal with all of the emotions that that girls have. And my boys are young, but my seven and five-year-old, gosh, they're very emotional. We have a lot of 
big emotions in our house. And that may have been something that I didn't even think about much before having a house full of boys. I may have thought the same thing, like, oh, boys aren't that emotional. And now that I am raising them, I see that they really are. Yeah, that's interesting because there is this, like societally, we have this idea that males, boys and men aren't as emotional as females. But like you said, it's a whole nother story when you are trying to get a three-year-old ready for the day, for instance. Exactly. There's all those big toddler emotions. Yes. <laughs> and that I think either way with boys or girls, but then I've been surprised with, you know, my seven-year-old, he, when school ended last year, he told me about how he was sad that school was ending because he loved his teacher and he was going to miss his friends, but how he was really excited about summer. And I love that he like named these two different emotions yeah. because when I'm having an art, you know, my husband and I will be talking about something and he'll ask like, what's the problem? And I'm um, thinking there's a million problems. I, I feel bad about this. And then I feel guilty. And then, there, you know, there's a million different things. So it was nice to see in my son that there's not this stereotype of men and it's like Mr. Fix it. But he at seven was really kind of sitting with his emotions. And I hope that I can continue to help them with that and that he doesn't lose touch with all of those emotions that he's feeling. That's one of the things that I, I have found challenging, you know, as the boys grow up is they too are living in this world where the message is boys and men are less emotional, or it seems in a lot of ways, less safe for them to share those big emotions out in the world. And when you're seven-year-old, I'm willing to bet he's already encountered threads of this, you know, Hey, man up, boys don't cry, rub some dirt on it. That, that kind of thing already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think there's only so much we can do at home to try to be the one. And I mean, even with myself, there are times when there's whining and it's like, okay, enough already. And it's hard of drawing the line of like, okay, we're crying over cereal or we're crying because you miss your grandparents that live in another state. And it's like, there's a different, you know, I have to do it myself, like have patience with like, okay, what are the emotions we need to validate? And then what are the ones that are just like, okay, you need to grow up a little. This isn't a huge problem. Right. And then it all gets mixed up with our emotions and which emotions yes. it's triggering and us at the moment. I know. None of it is as easy as it seems when we, frankly, when we read it or even when we write it ourselves, right? Yes. <laughs> that whole idea that boys are somehow less emotional. And I've heard it too, that, you know, you're lucky, like boys going through puberty compared to girls going through puberty. Okay. I have not had daughters go through puberty, so I can't comment on that. I was a girl. I went through puberty. I can, I can comment on that, but having had boys go through it, let me tell you, there are mood swings. There is that emotional gamut there. So I think, you know, when you are parenting children, emotions are part of the deal. Yeah, I think the whole puberty area is difficult too, because I've heard the whole like, oh, you don't have to worry, like when they're dating with boys, when they're out dating, you know, with girls, it's so stressful, you have so much to worry about. And I just think, oh my goodness, like my husband and I now, even with our, with our young kids, we're always talking about consent, like, oh, your brother didn't want to kiss goodnight, you don't kiss him goodnight, you know, and we're trying to start young with that. And I feel like there's just, there are so many different ways of looking at it that it is stressful no matter what a parent to what type of child. It's, it's a stressful situation. You know, as a mom of boys, I'm sure I would be concerned if I had a daughter as well. I'm yes. a parent. I am concerned about my children. But one of the things that's so 
has become real to me as a mom of boys, teenage, now young adult boys. All the things that can happen to a girl happen to a boy too. Like Mm. unplanned pregnancy, that is not just, it only happens to the girl. It also happens to the boy. And the boy gets less say in the matter. Like that's a, that is a thing that is kind of terrifying to me as a mom of boys is realizing that there's things that can happen. And I was a teenager. I know how well-meaning you can be. And I know how difficult it is to make the right choices all the Mm -hmm. time. I understand all of that. And it can be totally out of his control. If, if there is an unplanned pregnancy, um, you don't really get much of a say that's terrifying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And consent. Oh my goodness. Like that's a whole huge, huge, huge topic. And you know, you, you start the conversations young. And then one thing that I've come to think is so important for the littles and the bigs is that we need to emphasize it goes both ways, right? Mm -hmm. You don't just have to get consent. You also give consent. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm reading Emma Brown's book to raise a boy. And that's one of the things that shocked me. One of the first things she starts out with in that book is like sexual violence against men and boys. And it, it really does bring home how important it is to be talking to your kids about consent and that things, yes, they have to get consent, but they need to give consent and we need to be protecting them and letting them understand what's okay and what's not okay. And yeah, that was very eye-opening for me that with my boys being so young, like, gosh, there's a lot to prepare them for. We had Emma on the podcast talking about that book and it, I'll put the link in the show notes for those that may not have heard it yet. The the part you're referring to, I mean, the, the book starts with some very graphic, very disturbing uh, descriptions of male on male violence, teenage boys in a locker room. And it's so horrific. You want to think, no, this doesn't happen, but it does. Common, probably not shades of it. Yeah, probably so. And as a parent, this is the kind of thing that you have to be aware of because we have to equip our kids to live in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's hard to read, um, as I'm the beginning section as a mom of young boys, but you're like, you know what? I'm really glad that I am reading this, that I know kind of what's ahead and what to let my kids know. And, and that's the other thing too, with, with the emotions that we're talking about, the, one of the things she touches on is some boys really didn't feel comfortable being able to share or feel like they had anyone in their life they could share. And that's why I'm like, gosh, it's good to keep, you know, if my kids have all of these big emotions to make sure we're continuing to to foster that so they know they can talk to me about things. And if something doesn't seem hundred percent right, you can just tell me or your dad. Yes. yes. And what you said before, um, you said something along the lines of like, you know, we can't shape the world for them. We can't, we can only control so much, but if we can keep our homes as much as possible, a safe space for them to be who they are, whatever their interests are, whatever their emotions are, where they can say and express things. We can't change the whole world right away, but I think that'll make a huge difference for our guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. You, uh, not that long ago, you wrote a great article for the Washington post about roughhousing. And I bring that up right now because 
I see such parallels between roughhousing and consent, such fantastic opportunities for lessons. And with boys ages uh, three, five, and seven, you are smack dab in the roughhousing age. Yeah, that's where most of our lesson, our lessons on consent come because we're like, okay, they were wrestling, they're having fun, everything's fine, you know, it's not my cup of tea, but whatever, they're rolling on a ball, they're fine. And then all of a sudden you hear one of them is making a noise and it's like, okay, that's not a good noise, you've got to stop. And that's when my husband and I are stepping in telling one of the kids, okay, do you hear that noise? Like, even though he didn't say stop outright or get off of me, that's not a noise of I'm having fun anymore. And it's like, that's kind of a good way that we found of kind of tuning into other people and their cues and their body language. And that's a whole other way besides just saying, get off me. I don't want to do this right now. Yeah. I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash on boys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me. So I'm 51. She's 41. And she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, Increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. 
Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. It's telehealth. You can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit with free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time. Your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A.com slash ONBOYS. Winona, menopause care made easy. That's something that I learned for myself as a mom too, because like, like you, um, this is not my thing. This pile of writhing around in the living room and not my thing, but I learned that I can watch and like, if they're all smiling, then even though it might look, and I'm putting up air quotes, it might look violent, they're fine. Right. But if all the sounds are good and the facial expressions are good, it's fine. It's like you said, when you hear that noise that, you know, like, this is not just an effort sound. This is a, somebody is hurt right now. Sound. Yeah. (laughs) Something changed. And I love what you said that you, at that point is when you stop and, or you step in and you draw the other kids attention to it. Like, Hey, that was different. Did you hear that? It's a work in progress. It's not, I mean, we have to keep doing it again and again, but it is a good you know, training ground for things that they're going to encounter later in life. And it's like, it's fun. They can understand it. So we kind of always try to go back to it. And my husband's on the same page with me too, where he's always doing that too. And we're like, okay, hopefully this is going to sink in, in some way. The work in progress part. I'm so glad you said that because it all seems so simple. When we listen to a podcast or read a parenting article, we read a parenting book. Oh, you do this, you get this outcome. Yeah, except there's the repeat over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And then your kid continues to grow as well. And five years from now, 10 years from now, you may see the outcome, but there's all kinds of stepping over the boundaries in the meantime. Exactly. Yeah. I wrote an article yeah, about roughhousing thinking like, okay, now it won't be a problem for me. Cause I like talk to experts and I got some tips <laughs> and everything. And it is still, I still find myself, like I started the article with like me screaming, stop roughhousing. And I still sometimes do have to scream because <laughs> even with all the tactics that I learned to make it helpful and fun and from getting out of bounds, it, it, there's only so much, they're kids, you know? <laughs> Exactly. They're kids. Their brains are literally still growing and it's easy right now. We're both sitting here in our offices yeah. with none of our eight children around us. I know. It's easy to say these things. It's a whole lot harder when the children are wrestling and on top of each other and you're just trying to get supper on the table. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. <laughs> yes. So those of you at home who have had this uh, situation, you're not alone. This is normal. Yeah. What I loved is one of the experts that I talked to, he really said like kids when they're having fun, the rules, he said the rules section of their brain kind of like goes out the window. So he was like, don't be too hard on them. <laughs> you know, ah. like it, it's okay. So I, I mean, it's something I need to keep reminding myself about, but, um, it is, 
Yeah, it, I, I know what you mean. It's so much. I listen to so many podcasts and to read all the parenting articles and, and Google everything. And it seems so simple until you have real life kids in front of you and a few of them. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned um, in your note to me, you know, we're talking about misconceptions about boys. And so you already had two older boys and then people did find out, okay, you're having two more boys. And they're like, you're set, you know, boys. That's one comment that I would get all the time. Like, oh, been there, done that. At least, you know, you know, what's in store. And I learned quickly on when I had my first son, we didn't know what we were having with my second. And of course he wound up being a boy. When my second was born, he and my first looked so different. Like I figured, oh, if I have another boy, I'm going to have two carbon copies. Like they'll be the same. And and they both look very different. My oldest has like blonde hair and is a little cherub. And my second um, has my husband's like Italian skin coloring. And he's like, has very olive complexion. And right there, it's like, they looked very different. And that was just the tip of the iceberg. They are two totally different kids inside. And even my twins, they're twins. You think they would be similar to one another and they are so different. And that's one thing that um, I think people think it's like Groundhog Day when you're <laughs> parenting right. four of the same sex children. Oh, the same thing going through all the motions. And no, each kid has their different challenges and their own temperaments and personalities. And it's not at all that it's just, oh, here we go again. Same old thing. It's a completely new experience and a new way of parenting each kid. What are some of the differences, you know, for instance, even from your first to your second, you may like this works, you think, because it worked with your first one. And then maybe you found out with your second, this approach does not work at all. Yeah. Well, even with like potty training, I I would say my first, we did a lot of bribery and, you know, bribing with candy and, you know, all of that. Yeah, we did it and it got him going. My second son was just more, you know. I don't know. He a little conniving, I guess we'd give him candy and he would kind of, you know, go potty a little bit to get the candy and then continue going potty later to get, you know, a little while later to get more. And we're like, okay, yeah, this approach is, isn't working with him. We need, we need something else because he will just, you know, be going in drips and drabs to get as many M&Ms as he possibly can. That's also the sort of thing where you and your, you and your husband look at each other and go, Ooh, we are in for it with this kid. This one is smart. He's got us figured out. He's training us. Exactly. And that's not, we, our first was like a total rule follower. You know, the first was not the kid I had to like run away and chase. If we're out at a park, he'd be staying by me, holding my hands. My second one, I will admit it. I know there's different feelings, but he had a leash. If we're in an amusement park, we'd have a leash on him (laughs) because we have four kids and he's the one that would run away. And that wasn't something we had to do when our other son was, you know, two and a half years old, he would hold her hand and it was fine. So each kid just was so different. Mm -hmm. Even with the way that they would speak with my, I had my own misconceptions. I remember going out to lunch with a girlfriend. I had my, you know, through four-year-old son and her four-year-old daughter and the daughter would talk was talking about her day at school and just telling me everything about oh this one did this and this did that and I thought to myself wow this is what it's like to have a girl like my son when you ask him about his day at school he just says oh it was fine or nothing now with my second he's the kid who comes home every day gives me a play-by-play I know all the classroom gossip and I'm like oh that was my own 
idea of, oh, girls are the more talkative in, in this area. And I found with my own kids, one just loves to share all those little details and the other one kind of just glosses over it. Oh, everything was fine. <laughs> he doesn't go into it. It's not you a know, gender that's thing. That's really interesting. And I'm glad you pointed that out because as a general rule, and general is, you know, very broad average. As a general rule, most four-year-old girls are more verbal than most four-year-old boys because the, the language part of the brain develops earlier in girls than in boys. So mm -hmm. it's really easy, especially if you have a boy that fits that mold to be like, oh, boys are like this. But it's so important to remember that we are just talking about generalizations and there are always kids that don't fit the mold. There are, there are kids that are all along the spectrum of everything, potty training, talking, walking, reading, learning, emotions, the whole thing. Your child is a unique human being. Yes. I'm glad you mentioned that. And I think even as parents, we can get stuck in that where it's like, okay, this is how it is. And then your child surprises you and your child is, is a little bit different and you're pleasantly surprised in some cases. And in other, in other cases, like, oh, what do I do here? You know? My oldest son, he was, he still is. He's very high energy, a lot of emotions, very verbal, very talkative. When he was young, um, you could, you know, if he was upset, like my instinct as a mom, is he's upset is I'm going to hold him, cuddle him and, and soothe him. And that worked for him. My second son, that did not work from the time he was little. When he was upset, he wanted to be alone. That's just how he was. And there's still that difference between them to this day. And it's frustrating to me sometimes too, as a mom of many, at least according to today's society as a mom yeah. of many, sometimes people, other people will see those differences and think it's because of something that you did or didn't do like, oh, well, you were too busy because you have all these children. Therefore, this is why. And it's like, I don't really think you're seeing this accurately. Mm -hmm. I had that happen with, um, our third son was not talking, uh, as much at age two as the older two did. And I mentioned that to, you know, his doctor, and then that got mentioned to somebody else. And there was a couple people that tried suggesting that that was because, you know, well, he was one of three and clearly I wasn't talking to him as much as I did to my older kids, which was not the case. It turned out it actually was, he had fluid behind his ears and oh, he goodness. was not hearing us very well. So he wasn't speaking very well. So I think we all have to be aware for other people's uh, misconceptions as well. Yeah, no, sometimes I have that, that feeling of like, oh gosh, am I giving each kid enough time? And, you know, and then I do try to remember that what a gift it is that they have all of these siblings. The other night, one of my, my three-year-old toddlers, one woke up, I went into their room and the other one wasn't in his bed. And I'm like, oh, where, where is he? It's the middle of the night. And I check my other boy's room and he's crawled into the bunk bed and he's sleeping with the middle brother, you know, and I'm like, okay, it's, it's so sweet that they all have each other. It doesn't matter how much people may try to guilt you for having many kids or your own guilt. It really is such a gift that they all have each other. Yes. And seeing those relationships develop has been one of my favorite parts of this parenting journey. Um, one thing that I found really interesting is the way I'll call them alliances 
sort of shift Mm -hmm. as the kids go through different stages right now with your kids? Like, do you notice like is seven and five, are they really close? Then the twins are sort of on their own or what's that dynamic like? Yeah. For the most part, that's how it is. It's like the older boys and the younger boys. However, like they each have a buddy, like one older boy and one of the twins will kind of like buddy up and play together. And then the other two kind of buddy up. So when you said alliances, I was like, yes, I know exactly what you mean, because I could see how that would shift at different points in their lives and how, how that changes up. But yeah, for the most part, they do play well together, the four of them. But I mean, you know how it is. There's a lot of breaking up of, uh, what the the wrestling matches and uh, the fort building and all of that, but yeah, seeing those relationships has been it's so so nice to see that it's just not me and my husband that are giving them what they want. They're really getting that from each other too. Absolutely. One thing I was so interested to see: my oldest son left for college, so now we're down to three in the house, and so number two and number three got really close, and I think part of it was because they were actually in high school at the same time and Mm -hmm. they both played soccer. So they had friends and people and, you know, experiences in common. So those two got really close. So then when number two left for college, I'm like, Ooh, I kind of wonder how this is going to, going to hit. Turns out number three and number four got pretty close in a way that I wouldn't Mm -hmm. have expected while maintaining those other relationships. And so now that they're older and some are out of the house, like, they will do things together. And that just makes my heart so warm. I love that. That, I love that. That's so sweet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even my five and seven-year-old the other day were talking to me about something and my five-year-old's like, oh, you didn't tell mom about this. And I was like, oh, they're having these conversations that I don't know about. You know, we don't have a monitor in their bedroom anymore. I don't know what they're talking about at night. And it was something that I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know about this, but his brother knew about and that they had been talking. And I'm like, oh, I like that they have their own little, they each have a sounding board, you know. It's Absolutely. Nice. And they have a sounding board who is probably maybe more in touch with what's going on in daily life for them, especially as they get older than we do. Like, yeah, I am never going to be a teenage boy. Don't know what that experience is like, but mm-hmm. a sibling has that. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I love that. Let's go back. Uh, What other misconceptions about boys have we not explored yet? Well, one thing that people say to me a lot is like, oh, you're so lucky getting my daughter dressed in the morning is like a nightmare or like boys don't care about their clothes. And I I have found that genuine, you know, genuinely surprising the way that my kids really care about like what they wear. And I thought I would have a bigger input for longer than I did. <laughs> like by the end of preschool, it's like me picking out their outfits. It's like, no, no, no. I want to wear this shirt with Mickey Mouse on it. Or I, my kids, by the time they were, by the end of kindergarten, I feel like are already want Under Armour. They're like really into these like moisture wicking like outfits. And I'm like, really? I thought I was going to have you in the cute little outfits for, you know, till at least third grade or like, not that they have these opinions of what they want to wear and even their hairstyles of the hairstyles they want and that they want to experiment with different things. I really thought that it was more wash and go with the boy (laughs) and not, it was surprised by that. It's so funny that you mentioned the Under Armour and the moisture wicking stuff, because I remember there got to be the stage when that seemed like it was all that my boys were wearing. You know, it was 
those athletic shorts and the, the Under Armour moisture wicking t-shirts and various whatever. And guess what? It took me probably about a year before I'm like, hey, this stuff is great. And then that's pretty much all I wore for a while. That's what people have said to me. Like, it is really comfortable. And it's like, yeah, I guess I see during the pandemic and how. Right. I'm like, (laughs) I'm working from home. I'm raising these boys. I didn't need dress up clothes at that point. So um, sometimes because there's so much, so many more of them than there is of me, I think I just sort of go along their path as well. Yeah, no, I like that. <laughs> Tell me about uh, their current senses of style. You, you know, you mentioned the Under Armour and stuff, but like hairstyle, they even have strong opinions already. Yeah, well, my seven-year-old, he doesn't have a full mohawk or anything because I'm not ready for that. But he was like, oh, I really want to get a mohawk. And, you know, so he has like, ha- you know, a hairstyle where I can kind of put it into one if I gel it. And it was just he, they're very interested in that. When my five-year-old wanted his hair to be kind of long, like his cousin has, you know, long hair and he wanted to let it grow for a while. And it was just surprising that they are so interested in, in their appearance and that they have their own unique style. That's pretty cool. I had out of my four, there was one that even, I remember his first birthday party, right? It's his first birthday party and people are giving presents. And of course you have to help with the opening because he's one, he's not that coordinated yet. And he got a lot of clothes, which all of my other kids, you know, when they got clothes, it was literally, they take it and, you know, toss it over the shoulder and grab for whatever toy somebody else got them. This kid would like hold it up and he was interested in them. This one ended up being my kid who's most interested in clothes and his appearance. And it was a parent at age one. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. He was I probably, it was probably around like 14, maybe a little younger. Like he, he got into sneakers, you know, he was the sneaker head and he was like, there's this whole culture. I don't know if you know about this yet. This whole, where they're like watching the drop of the sneakers and the certain waves, which is the color schemes and collecting them and reselling them. It's a whole thing. We haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. That'll be interesting. I'm sure with four, one of them will will be into that or whatever the next thing is, right? Like that'll probably, maybe that'll go the way of, you know, I I collected stickers when I was in school. Mine are into Pokemon now. So my seven-year-old is like, everything has to look like a Pikachu. Like he has, uh, you know, all of his clothing. If he could wear Pokemon outfits seven days a week, he would, but we don't have that many, you know? That's so cool. I love that. (laughs) Love that. You know, one of mine, um, it is fun to see their personal senses of style. It was, uh, number two, his junior prom. He didn't want to rent a tux. He didn't want to do that. He got one of those. There's a, I can't think of the name brand, but it's this company and they make like fun, funky suits. And he got one. The base color is like turquoise blue and it's shorts on the bottom and short sleeve suit jacket on the top. And then it's printed with like ice cream uh, treats and stuff. And that is oh what god. he wore to prom. Oh my God. I love that. That's adorable. Right? <laughs> it was, it was fantastic. Now my mom didn't love it. My mom thought that this was absolutely embarrassing and humiliating. And that this poor girl, if he showed up looking like this, but everybody loved it. I'm sure they did. What personality. That's great. Right. 
what are some things that you run into in yourself as you're raising these boys? We've mentioned a couple where, you know, maybe you stumble against a, a belief that this is what I thought about boys and I'm still working on untangling this one. Yeah, I guess, I guess for me, there's a lot with just like society and with, and with boys. And I feel like when my kids were in the toddler stage, you know, they might see my nail polish and want nail polish. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to put nail polish on. <laughs> and then they might get reactions from kids at school or something. And I'm like, gosh, I can't believe at three years old that other kids are saying like, oh, girls only wear nail polish, you know, when if they're three, like I was kind of genuinely surprised. I would expect it in the elementary years, but not in preschool. And, and my boys that really never, it didn't bother them. I was like, oh, it's cool. It's, it's nail polish. But it, it just surprises me. And I feel like I'm always kind of trying to help my boys fight some of those like gender stereotypes um, just because it's, it's unbelievable how pervasive it is. And that my kids are little, they would love the color pink. You know, one of my sons particularly loved pink. And now that he's in elementary school, um, he just shies away from it. And I'm like, when did that happen? Cause I didn't do it. Like, you know, how did, how did that happen? Our family was fine with it. We were buying him all the pink stuff he wanted. And it just happened without me even re realizing it. That's the thing that has been most surprising to me as a mom of boys growing up as a female, I was well aware about the way gender stereotypes, how that limited girls and women. I knew that I lived that. I did not realize genuinely did not realize how much gender stereotypes and expectations affect boys everyday lives. I agree a hundred percent. Even my, um, the elementary school, my kids go to, they had a they had a bunch of clubs after school and there were a, a few of them were girls. It was like girls in STEM and girls supporting girls. And I thought, this is awesome. I would have loved a club like this when I was a girl. But then I kind of asked the administration, like, what about boys? Like, there, isn't there something like boys supporting boys or, you know, boys, big yeah. feelings, like, isn't there something they could do? And they really didn't have a response, a response to it. And I think a big part of it too, is there's only three men that even work in the elementary school. So wow. it's kind of, it's just a little tough. I feel like there is a box for boys still to be in where girls, it's so exciting to see girls like breaking out of that box and, and doing whatever they want. And, you know, I'm always telling my husband, like, yeah, if a girl wants to do something that was traditionally boys, it's fine. But when a boy wants to do something that's a traditional girl thing, like the nail polish or right. wearing something with sparkles on it, it's a little like, ugh, you know, there's a little bit of uncomfortableness from people. It's 2022. And a little boy with colored paint on his fingernails still gets comments. To me, that says, so much that there's still so much work to be done. I applaud just like you do everything that has happened to expand opportunities for girls and women. And we have to keep that going, but we have a lot of work to do yet with our boys. And I think it begins with people like me and you confronting our own stereotypes, our mm -hmm. own misconceptions and responding when we see others imposing them on our boys and our families. I agree 100%. That's what I told my son, who my kindergartner, 
Um, I said, if anyone says anything about the nail polish, she does it every once in a while, you know, and he, I, somebody said something on the bus and I said, what'd you say? And he did the line that I had taught him, which was like, it's 2022, a girl can be and do anything she wants. And so can a boy. And it was like, um, that it's like, it's so unbelievable how we don't let boys just have that freedom and that we've let girls have, which again, I think it's awesome and amazing, but we have to do the same for boys too. We have to do the same for our boys. Jessica, thank you so much for joining me today. It is always a treat for me to talk to a fellow boy mom. (laughs) And I know our listeners enjoyed hearing about your experiences today. You write frequently about boys uh, because you have them. You write about parenting. Where can people uh, learn more about you and your work? Yeah, sure. So you can go to my website. It's jessica-fleming.com. And um, you can follow me on Twitter, Jessica K. Fleming. Thank you so much for having me. Best of luck to you and your boys. Uh, We should reschedule this like periodically at check in and see how your boys are doing and what's the new um what's the new thing that you're dealing with in your house because there are always new challenges when you're raising boys (laughs) i love that thank you so much (laughs) thank you for joining us this is on boys parenting podcast if you liked this episode please share it with a friend and as always supporting our sponsors helps us bring you more of on boys sambucallusa.com for that black elderberry that's going to keep your family healthy use the boys 15 code for 15 percent off your first order and jen's building boys bulletin you seriously do not want to miss out on this building boys bulletin go to buildingboys.net and click the red subscribe button and decoding your boys. As you heard on this show, there is a lot to decode. Come join me, Janet, twice a month. We meet live on Zoom. It is a whole lot of fun and I share wisdom and boy communication tips and you get to ask your questions in real time and I answer them and other parents answer them. It is a community of like-minded parents who love their boys. Join me at boysalive.com decode. Thank you again for joining us. This is On Boys Parenting Podcast. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.